Merry Christmas. Hey, I'm going to start out uh, this morning by asking you a question, and here's the question. What is the most memorable gift you received last year for Christmas? What is the most memorable gift you received last year for Christmas? Can you think of that? Some of you may be like me. You can't even remember what you had for dinner last night. But I want you to try to think back to last year's Christmas. Think about the gifts you got. Think about trying to choose one of them that's the most memorable. I want you to turn to the person next to you. You have about 15 seconds. I want you to tell the person next to you or find someone next to you. What was the most memorable gift you received last year? Go. Okay. By show of hands, how many of you all could actually remember a gift from last year? Oh, that's impressive. That's 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 not that's pretty that's pretty good. I I can't remember any gifts I received last year. One of our uh, New Thing Partner Churches made a video in downtown Chicago asking shoppers that very same question. I want you to check out this video and some of their responses. Hey everybody, Alec Bramlett here in downtown Chicago. I'm right here on the Magnificent Mile because it's Christmas time in the city. And we're here to talk to some Christmas shoppers about Christmas shopping and <coughs> Christmas. Simply having a wonderful Christmas time. Hey, can I ask you a question about Christmas? We're asking everybody the same question. What's the most memorable Christmas gift that you received last year? I can't think. I can't remember. Anything. Did you celebrate? Did you celebrate Christmas last year? Yeah. And did you spend Christmas with loved ones? With my family. <laughs> and did they get you any Christmas gifts? They did. I love that. What is your most memorable Christmas gift you received from last year? My most memorable Christmas. I don't know. Um. What did I even get? Um. <laughs> it's Christmas time in the city. What's the most memorable Christmas gift you received last year? Last year. Memorable. Um. Like the gift that you remember the most. Um. Um. <laughs> oh gosh. I don't remember. I can't remember. I don't remember what I got last year. I love the guy. I love the guy who says, Did you spend Christmas with your loved ones last year? With my family. I like, I like how he just clarifies that. Uh, you know, if, uh, most of us are probably like those folks, right? We, we, can, we, can, we can struggle to remember any. Any gift we received last year, much less one that was just really impactful for us. Well, there's a gift. There's a gift that we received 2,000 years ago that we should never forget. And, uh, in fact, it's a gift that we should remember and really receive every single day. And that gift is our relationship with our Creator and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about how easy it is to get overwhelmed with all the chaos and the busyness this time of year. Um, I went to Costco yesterday. <laughs> that was insane. People everywhere. And I just walked in. I was by myself. My wife and kids stayed at home. And 
I thought, you people are nuts. I mean, I, I, I watched this one mom, and I'm assuming daughter, just had this cart going down the aisle, and she looks over at this thing, and she looks at it, and she picks it up, and it's this light. It's just like a, it's just a kind of like a, like a, a light to work on in the garage. Like you put underneath a car to work on in the garage, or a shop light. And she picks it up, looks at her, looks at her daughter, shows it to her, and just throws it in the cart, and moves on. I'm like, that's it. That's how we're choosing gifts now. We're just walking through the aisles, picking things off, and throwing them in the cart. But it can be a real challenge to not allow the chaos uh, of this time of year to, to cause us stress and and, uh, and and to overwhelm us. And the fact that no one can remember their gifts should probably make us stop and wonder, what are we doing? Well, in this last week leading up to Christmas, I want to encourage us not to rush by the nativity scene. I want to pause. Let's pause this morning. And let's spend a few minutes refreshing our memories about how God gave us the greatest gift ever on that first Christmas. And as we look at the gift for a few minutes this morning, the gift that God gave us, I want us to consider, is there a way for us to give more? Is there a way for you and me to give to someone more like God gave to us? I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John. John chapter 1, verse 9. If you don't have a Bible, there are several Bibles uh, under the seats around you. John chapter 1 is on page 739 of those, those blue Bibles on the floor. And as you turn, turn there, I'm going to pray for us. Would you pray with me before we dive in? Father, I am thankful uh, that you loved us and that you gave your son. And I'm thankful for the Christmas season that we get to remember and reflect on the amazing gift that you've given us. And uh, Lord, I know that each one of us here this morning are here for a reason. And I trust that you have something that you want to say to each one of us. I pray, Father, that you would speak to us this morning, that you would open our ears and open our hearts to hear your voice. Would you encourage us if we need encouragement this morning? Would you comfort us if we need comfort? Would you challenge us or correct us if that's what we need, Lord? We just pray that you'd speak to us this morning. We want to we encounter you today, Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> Have you ever received a gift from someone that seemed to kind of say, well, I didn't really want to take time to give you something meaningful, but I still felt obligated to give you something, so here's this, you know? And we try to make it better, we try to make ourselves feel better, try to make other people to feel better when we give those kinds of gifts by saying, well, it's, it's the thought that counts. But that's a bit ironic, isn't it? I mean, because usually that kind of gift often involved absolutely has no thought whatsoever put into it, right? And I think one of the reasons why the gifts that we receive are typically forgotten is that they're often just impersonal. I mean, you don't, you don't remember what you got for Christmas last year because it was just another shirt in, the, in your closet full of shirts. It was another gift card to a place that you've shopped at dozen of t- dozens of times since then. And those gifts are okay. I, I'm not, I don't want to throw a wet blanket on your Christmas gift giving. Some of those gifts are okay, and those gifts are maybe even helpful. But if we're honest, they're, they're probably just not very personal. And in contrast, when you receive a gift that someone has clearly put a lot of thought and intentionality behind, you can tell they've, they've been paying attention to you throughout the year. They've listened to the things you've said, or, or they've been able to identify a real need that you have or a desire of yours, and they give you a gift that aligns with that. It feels a lot more personal and meaningful, doesn't it? When we stop to think about who a person is and what they care about and what they like and what would really bring them joy, our gift giving becomes much more personal. Years ago, I would try to give personal gifts by going to the store Things Remembered at the mall. Does anybody remember that? Did that store still exist? I don't know if that store still exists or not. 
I would try to get a keychain or something for my family with their initials engraved on it. It was just an attempt to try to say, hey, I, I really don't know what to give you, but I want to give you something that's meaningful, so here's something with your name on it, you know? Now, thanks to Pinterest and Etsy and all of the stores that monogram things, you can get gifts, um, you can get all kinds of gifts that are personalized. Well, that's exactly what God gave to us the first Christmas, that in Jesus, God gave us a gift that was very personal. And that's point number one. If you want to take notes today, point number one is this, that God's gift was personal. God's gift was personal. Let's look at John chapter 1. Verse 9, I'm going to read verse 9 through 13. You can follow along as I read. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Verse 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent or nor of human decision or husband's will, but born, born of God. The Apostle John says here in verse 9 that a true light, Jesus, gives light to everyone. Gives light to everyone. Well, at first glance, that may not seem like a very personal gift. But if you jump down to verse 12, John says, to those who receive him, to those individuals who believe in his name. Well, now all of a sudden the gift got really personal. See, Jesus is a gift that's offered to everyone, but only those who choose to receive the gift and open it for themselves actually get to enjoy the gift. See, the minute you open a gift, it becomes yours. And that's when God's gift of Jesus becomes very personal. That's when God's gift becomes ours and becomes our gift. The word right in verse 12 in John chapter 1, the word right means the power of choice, liberty of doing or permission. That God has given us the power and the liberty and the permission to choose to receive and believe in Jesus. And the word for believe doesn't just mean an intellectual belief. It means to place your confidence in or to to place your trust in or to entrust your life to. The Bible tells us that those who have entrusted their life to Jesus, those who have trusted Jesus as Savior for their sins and have submitted to him as Lord of their lives, according to the scriptures, according to John here in chapter 1, we have the right to become children of God. That's an incredible gift. Galatians 4, the Apostle Paul says it this way. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. To be adopted is a personal gift. As a child of God, to be given a new identity and a new family with a new last name, with all the rights and the privileges that come with that name, that's a very personal gift that God has given us. And so I want to remind us this morning that God loved us so much that Jesus was born in that manger for you and for me. That the Christmas story became your personal story when you believed and received Jesus. And maybe one of the specific ways that we can give more like God this week is by sharing your personal testimony with someone. Maybe this week, maybe even at your, at your family Christmas party this weekend, You can prayerfully look for an opportunity to share how the Christmas story became your personal story. Is there someone you're going to encounter this week, someone you're going to interact with, that you know that God has given them the greatest gift ever, the offer of eternal life in Christ, but they've never received it? Maybe this week, one of the ways you can give like God is to share your testimony with someone. Can I share my testimony with you? I was not raised in a Christian home. 
Now, my family and I, we believed in God, but we didn't, we didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And he was certainly not the Lord of our lives. And I like to start my testimony with a guy named Zig Ziglar. How many of you all know the name Zig Ziglar? Yeah, all right. Some of you all raise your hand. For those of you who don't know Zig Ziglar, uh, years ago, mainly in the 80s and the 90s, early 90s, uh, was a popular motivational speaker. He was also a Christian. And he would go around from city to city doing seminars uh, for salesmen. My dad was in sales. My dad's been in real estate and insurance sales his whole life. And so Zig Ziglar was one of his heroes. Zig was scheduled to come to Louisville, Kentucky, where I was born and raised. And my dad bought a couple of tickets and was planning to go. A few weeks out, my dad got up the nerve to call Zig Ziglar's office. I don't know how to find the number. He calls him up and says, hey, uh, I would like to meet Mr. Ziglar when he's here in Louisville. This is where I get a little bit of my boldness. And uh, they say, well, Mr. Russell, uh, we appreciate that you're interested in wanting to meet him. But unfortunately, he's, he has a full schedule. And of course, you know, they gave him the answer. Hey, he can't meet, can't meet people. It's a thousands of people at the seminar. But I tell you what, uh, after he gets done talking, maybe you can just line up afterwards and, and, and get a chance to show your appreciation. Well, now Dad said, okay, well, thanks. Hung up the phone, thought, well, it doesn't hurt to try. A couple days, a couple days before Ziegler is scheduled to speak, my dad gets a phone call. Mr. Russell? Yes. This is Zig Ziegler's assistant. Yes. Would you have any interest in picking Mr. Ziegler up from the airport and taking him to his hotel? Well, my dad about drops the phone. Well, yeah, sure. So they make the arrangements. My dad hangs up the phone, yells out at my mom, Carolyn, you won't believe this. I'm, we're picking up Zig Ziglar, you know. He gets so excited, as you can imagine, and he goes to pick up Ziglar from the airport. And sure enough, it gives him a ride from the airport to the hotel and has a nice casual conversation with him. When he gets to the hotel, he's helping him unload his bags. And Ziglar turns to my dad and said, would you like to come up to the hotel for, for a little bit, to my room for a few minutes? My dad says, yeah, Sure. So my dad goes on up to the hotel room and spends about 45 minutes to an hour with him. Now, let me tell you what happened. On the car ride from the airport to the hotel, Ziegler was getting to know my dad a little bit. It's about a 20, 25-minute drive. And I'm convinced that Ziegler came to the conclusion very quickly that my dad was not a Christian. And so he invited him up to the hotel room. And for 45 minutes in the hotel room... Mr. Ziegler went on to share his personal testimony with my dad and to share the gospel with my dad. And in my Bible, I carry with me, I've taped it in here, a picture, you probably can't see this, a picture of my dad and Zig Ziegler in September of 1993. And in it, Zig writes this, God loves you, Jim Russell, Romans 10, 9. You know what Romans 10, 9 says? I'll paraphrase it. It says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. Now, my dad didn't give his life to the Lord that day, but that day started a sequence of events where my dad started seeking the Lord. Within a matter of months, my dad would show up at a Christian church in Louisville, and within a matter of months after that, he would give his life to Christ and get baptized. That was in 1993. Fast forward to several years later to 2001. And I am 24 years old, and in the summer of 2001, God put the full court press on me. My dad had given me a Bible and had started sharing the gospel with me and inviting me to church. My older brother had actually come to Christ six months prior to me uh, in 2001, and so he was sharing Christ with me. That's two people sharing Christ with me. Later on that summer, I took a class in school, at college, in college at University of Louisville, and a classmate next to me. She shared the gospel with me and sat right behind me. She just happened, just happened, just happened, sit down, sit, sit in front of a completely, complete stranger who happened to go to the same church my dad went to. 
and she shared the gospel with me throughout that class. And then I worked with a guy, a server friend of mine, a co-worker, who throughout the year in 2001 would share the gospel with me. Four different people sharing the gospel with me. And then one day in the fall of 2001, I'm sitting at the University of Louisville having lunch in the cafeteria. And I look up and across the room, I see a young man walk into the door and he meanders through the cafeteria, passing up about 20 people. And he shows up at my table and he asks me if he can have lunch with me. I just knew something was happening. So I said, sure. Pulled it, pushed out the chair. He sat down and he had lunch with me. Had a couple of Subway sandwiches. And over the course of that lunch, he took the conversation from casual, getting to know me, to more meaningful conversation, eventually asking me about my relationship with God and what my beliefs were. He opened up the four spiritual laws, and he walked through the gospel with me. And he asked me, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? I said, no. I said, but I'll take your booklet home with me. I regret not saying yes that day. I wish I would have. That's another story. I took the booklet home that night, and that night I prayed the prayer. And then that fall, I prayed it like 50 times. I just didn't know if it was taking. You know what I mean? I just kept praying it over and over again. I'm like, I was waiting for something to happen. And I gave my life to the Lord that fall, in fall of 2001. And in January of 2002, I got baptized. And here I am now, 15 years later. That was 15 years ago. Here I am 15 years later. If I could only tell you all the things that God has done with my life. It's amazing what God has done with my life. See, it was back in 2001. When the Christmas story became my personal story. And if I'm honest with you, it's a shame that I should, should, haven't told more people about that. I want to tell more people about that story. And it's only a week before Christmas, but I'm praying, I'm praying, and I'm hoping that God will give me an opportunity this week to share how the Christmas story became my personal story. I want to challenge you to do the same. When's the last time you shared your personal testimony? about how you accepted and received and believed that amazing gift 2,000 years ago. Maybe this week you'll get a chance to share that with somebody. So on the first Christmas, God's gift was personal. Then we see this, that God's gift was himself. If you're taking notes, God's gift was actually himself. Let's look back at John 1 again. And specifically, I want to draw your attention to two words in verse 11. The first two words in verse 11. So just to review, verse 9 says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. Verse 11, he came. Pause right there. He came. He came. He came. That's the gift. The gift was himself. He himself came and entered into our world. A couple verses later in verse 14, John goes on to say this. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Now, what you notice the word that the word is capitalized. It's capitalized because here John is using it as a name. Who is John naming the word? It's Jesus. Jesus is the word. And John's actually referring all the way back to the first verse in the Bible in Genesis 1.1. In Genesis 1.1, it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. John is introducing Jesus to us as the creator of the heavens and the earth. See, while Jesus was born into our world that first Christmas, the truth is he is the one who created the world. On Christmas morning, the creator himself entered into his creation. God gave us the gift of himself. That's amazing. And there are a lot of different names for Jesus in the Bible, but one we use often this time of year is the name Emmanuel. Jesus is given the name Emmanuel in, the prophecy, in a prophecy in the book of Isaiah, Isaiah seven fourteen. It reads this, simply this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. 
the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. The prophecy is also referenced in Matthew. Matthew chapter 1, verse 23 reads, The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with us. What was God's gift to us? It was himself. God came into our world and gave us the gift of his very presence on that Christmas 2,000 years ago. That's amazing. The power of presence is really is really critical to understand. In the late 1980s, the Folgers Coffee Company caught on to the power of presence, and they capitalized on it with a commercial about a man named Peter. Anybody remember this? Peter surprised his family and came home for Christmas unexpectedly one morning. Would you check out this old Folgers commercial with me? Thanks a lot. Merry Christmas. really sweet commercial. Okay, listen, some of you, uh, some of you older, like you empty nesters, you've got a tear in your eye right now because you're like that, like you get it, right? You understand when someone comes home for Christmas, how, how meaningful that is. But I'm going to point out three things that are ridiculous about the commercial. Number one, when Peter pours the coffee, did you notice he has the coffee mug here and the coffee pot here and he goes, no, who pours coffee like that? No one pours coffee like that. Number two, when mom and dad drink coffee at the end, they both go like this simultaneously. Mmm. Like, come on, what's this? And number three, Folgers is disgusting, okay? It's awful coffee. If you're still drinking Folgers, do you know there's better coffee out there, right? So uh, if you are drinking Folgers, I don't want to offend you. I'm sorry. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's delicious, okay? <laughs> but the commercial was huge in the 80s. A lot of y'all, as soon, as soon as you saw that, you remember that. And why was it so popular? Well, Folgers really captured what we know is really important, and it's the power of presence. When Peter shows up, his presence enters their world, and it was the best gift that they could have been given. Well, that's the story of Christmas, that God came to be with us, Emmanuel, that God is with us. Pastor and author Tim Keller says it this way. He says, Christmas is not simply about a birth, but it's about a coming, that the presence of God came into our world, he came to be with us. He stepped out of heaven and entered the world he, he created. Then he lived among the people he created. And why did he do it? Why did he do that? Well, if we keep reading in John chapter 1, back in our text, jump down to verse 18. John says this, No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father who has made him known. Jesus was God with us in order to make his father known. I mean, Jesus came to die 
and it was the will of the Father for him to die on the cross to pay for the sins of humanity, to pay for your sins and my sins. But if you jump immediately from Christmas down all the way to, to the cross and to Easter, you miss, you miss really the point of it all. Because Jesus says in John 17, I have completed the work you gave me to do. And he says it before he went to the cross. And the work that Jesus was to do was to make disciples who can make disciples. And a little bit later in John 17, he says, I've made you known to them that Jesus came to reveal God to us, to reveal the presence of God. This was the work of Jesus, and he did it by living here among us. And you may say, well, that was 2,000 years ago. I mean, I wasn't there. Uh, He wasn't present with me. Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't part of that. But that's why Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 16 that it was actually better for him to go away. After the his death and after the resurrection, before his ascension, Jesus would tell his disciples that he was going to send a counselor, a helper, the Holy Spirit. And now, though Christ isn't physically with us, his spirit dwells in us through the Holy Spirit, and he's still with us today, and he wants to be with us and guide us every moment. Jesus' presence is still a gift for us. God is with you. You know, this time of year can be difficult for a variety of different reasons, right? And you see, everyone, you see everyone shopping, and you look at all of these people spending all of this money. Who knows how, they, who knows how they're spending all this money? I, and then you look at the seemingly special, all these special moments that people are having on social media, and you see on Facebook or Instagram, and it just seems like everybody's having a Hallmark Christmas except you. And the truth is, you're, you're a little hesitant to tell people that you're struggling, you're feeling lonely and discouraged. Again, for a variety of reasons. If that's you, let me remind you this morning that while Jesus came 2,000 years ago, he's with, you, he's with you today. And maybe this morning you need to be reminded that the Lord sees you and that he hears you and the Lord understands what you're going through and the Lord wants to provide comfort and encouragement for you. And here's how he wants to do it. He wants to do it by offering his presence to you. I hope that if you're in that place, if this describes you, that the Bible tells us that if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. I hope you'll draw near to God this week. Cry out to him in prayer. Talk to him. Turn to him. And see if he doesn't show his self, his presence to you as a fresh gift this week. You know, one of the ways we can give more this week, one of the ways we can tangibly give a gift to someone that's more like the gift God gave to us is to offer ourselves to someone. God gave himself to us. Maybe this week you can give yourself as a gift to someone. I don't know what that might look like for you. Maybe it's simply just giving someone your full attention. Maybe it's giving them, giving someone a sincere word of encouragement. But in order to give a sincere word of encouragement, you have to enter into their world by asking about their life and learning their story. And sometimes it means you're, you're willing to bear the burden of a family member's pain that you could otherwise avoid by simply keeping the conversation superficial. Maybe this week you won't keep the conversation superficial and surface level. Maybe this week you'll enter into that awkward kind of place. It can be sometimes awkward that you can enter someone's world and ask, hey, what's going on in your life? How are things going? You can move into their circumstances and move past casual conversation to more meaningful conversation. God's gift was personal. His gift was his presence. Maybe we can give ourselves the gift of presence. We give the gift of presence to someone. Lastly, God's gift was costly. God's gift was costly. 
It's funny to think about, but sometimes the most expensive gift given is the cheapest gift. Meaning, if all you do is purchase something, no matter how big the price tag, if there's no thought really given to it or no, not much of a sacrifice made, or there's not a lot of love included, sometimes that's the cheapest gift possible. God's gift is not like that. God's gift cost him something. I want to finish this morning by looking at Philippians chapter 2, where the Apostle Paul gives us a very clear picture of the cost of God's gift to us. I'm going to fill in a few of the blanks here from John's account. We're going to look at Philippians chapter 2. Paul's writing about Jesus, and here's what he says in verses 6 through 8. Jesus, who, Jesus, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. You can also say he humbled himself by being born in a manger, by being born in a feeding trough. The giving of himself cost Jesus everything. That's why I want you and I to try to wrap our minds and our hearts around this week. It's really shocking. It really is shocking. Though Jesus was in very nature God, he made himself nothing. He became a servant. Matthew 20, 28 tells us that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This was the ultimate act of his service. He became obedient to death, even death on the cross. And in his death, he paid for the price, paid the price for your sins and mine, and he opened the door to relationship with the Father. And at Christmas, he humbled himself to be born as a baby. Good grief. What kind of God does that? Our God. So what's that mean for us? Let me close with this. If you've not yet received the gift of Jesus Christ, if you've never believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you've never entered into, been adopted into that family, the family of God, I'd encourage you to do do it today. I'll be right over here after the service is over. You want to talk to some Talk to someone, you want to talk to me about your relationship with the Lord, I'd love to talk with you and pray with you. But maybe you're like most of us, and you're already in the family of God. You've believed in your heart, you've confessed with your mouth, you've been walking with the Lord for quite some time, and you are a son or daughter of God. What do we do with all this? Well, Philippians 2 gives us the picture of what, how we should give the way God gave to us. See, Philippians 2 isn't only about Jesus. In fact, a few, there's a verse in there that really tells us that Philippians 2 is really about us. Look at verse 5, Philippians 2, 5. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Some translations say have the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Paul's saying, listen, Jesus gave us the greatest gift ever. God gave us the greatest gift ever. He gave us the gift of himself. How should we, in turn, give gifts to others? We'd be like Jesus. We'd be like Jesus. I would summarize it like this. Humbly serve others in love. We can give more like God by being more like Jesus and humbly serving others in love. Let's do that this week. Let's look for opportunities to love people like Jesus loved us. And let's look for an opportunity to tell people about the amazing gift we've been given in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Romans 5, 8 says that while we were still sinners, 
Christ died for us. John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Father, it's really shocking to think that you loved us so much that you sent Jesus in the form of a baby to humble himself. He entered this world as a helpless baby and then died a helpless death on the cross. All for us. All because you loved us, because you wanted to be with us. Father, help us to wrap our hearts and minds around that this week and And Lord, would you give us some opportunities to point people to you this week, Jesus? We love you, Lord. Thank you for loving us. We pray this in your name. Amen.